Friday and welcome to the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit the website abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can benefit your daily life. You can order online, easy and safe pickup. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Also want to let you know, during this holiday season, the Artisan Holiday Drive is going on right now. So if you're looking for a way to help others during this time, um, this is a great opportunity for you, and I'm really happy to be a part of this. Uh, You can bring coats, clothes, toys, blankets, non-perishable foods, and anything else that is Christmas-related to Artisan Botanicals at 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170 in Midwest City. Again, the Artisan Holiday Drive 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170, Midwest City, Oklahoma. I love what Artisan Botanicals is doing, and we would love your help. So again, that address, 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170, Midwest City. And uh, we certainly appreciate you being in the giving spirit this holiday season. All right, big weekend in the sporting world, and the fact that basketball is getting underway is, is just crazy to me. It feels like we just watched... The NBA season conclude. It feels like we just had the NBA draft and free agency has been completely bananas. And all of that has just felt like one long continuation of the NBA finals and last year's season. And here we are, the Thunder already with preseason game number one in the books uh, as we're just a a little over, what, a week away um, total from game number one of the regular season. it's That's mind-blowing to me that we're already at this point. But a new-look Thunder team that's going to be interesting to watch, I think, not in terms of the win-loss record or competing for a playoff spot, but there are pieces on this team that are potentially the foundation pieces for what this team is going to look like over the next few years. Or, you know, maybe all of these guys end up getting shipped out very soon. So I, I don't really know what to expect, but... You know, I think the expectation for Shea Gilgis-Alexander is that he's going to be the centerpiece of this whole thing, and we'll see, you know, what pieces fit around him as we go forward. But I do like some of the young pieces, and, and you know, I think we're all kind of curious to see what these guys that the Thunder acquired in the draft look like over these next couple of weeks. So, anyway, that's probably the interest level for me on the Thunder. But let's talk football because... So, as we go into the final week of the college football season and... The conference championship games on Saturday. Here's what the college football playoff picture looks like. And and we'll just rewind a week to the college football playoff rankings from last Tuesday. And I think we'll go all the way down to number 11, where I think the last team that really has a legit opportunity to make the final four is, and that would be Oklahoma. So number one, Alabama wins on Saturday against Arkansas. Dominant win. We knew that was going to be the case. They're in, I think, even with a loss to Florida in the SEC championship game, Alabama is going to be one of the final four teams. So they get ready for the SEC championship. They're undefeated. They've been clearly the most dominant team in the sport all year long. I think Alabama is in no matter what happens on Saturday. Two and three, Notre Dame and Clemson, neither team played on Saturday. They're getting ready for the ACC championship. This is a rematch of a game that took place earlier in the year. Notre Dame edged out Clemson in a game that Trevor Lawrence didn't play. I think this is going to be a terrific football game. I think these teams match up well. Notre Dame is so good on the offensive and defensive lines. That's where they kind of close the gap between themselves and Clemson and, and really where they've kind of elevated themselves as far as being able to compete with the big boys of college football. If Notre Dame gets it done again, I think Clemson is probably out of the title picture. Clemson, a two-loss non-Power 5 champion, I can't imagine, gets a third opportunity. 
at this thing, especially considering they would have lost basically with what is, is kind of considered a playoff game for them. So uh, Clemson with a win, I think both ACC teams get in. Clemson and Notre Dame remain in the top four with a Notre Dame win. I think Clemson is eliminated from this conversation. Number four, Ohio State. I know there's been a lot of talk about the resume and the lack of games compared to everybody else. It doesn't matter. The, they are Ohio State, just like this would benefit Alabama or Oklahoma or any of the Blue Bloods. If, if Ohio State was not Ohio State and this was Northwestern or Iowa or Michigan State, we wouldn't be having the same conversation. They wouldn't be number four, and it would be really easy for the College Football Playoff Committee to completely dismiss them based on the amount of games. But we all understand this college football world we live in, there is bias, and the logo on your helmet matters, and Ohio State is benefiting from that. So Ohio State's in, Big Ten Championship matchup. They beat Northwestern. They remain in. There's no question in my mind. Uh, Ohio State will be in the Final Four with a win over Northwestern. With a loss, I think this thing gets really interesting. And what happens if we have a couple spots open up in this Final Four? That's that's what I think is the chaos scenario. But Ohio State, with a win, they are in the top four. With a loss, I think it becomes really interesting. Texas A&M is a one-loss team. They beat Florida, who just lost this weekend for the second time against LSU. It kind of takes some of the glamour off of that win over the Gators for A&M. And really, I think if you're trumping A&M as a top-four team, your biggest argument is that they lost to Alabama, the number-one team in the country. And here's my thing. They lost to Alabama in a game that wasn't even close. They were completely dominated by the Crimson Tide. I don't know what the real argument for Texas A&M is uh, to get in over a lot of teams. And we'll go into this in just a second, but... A&M has one final game on their schedule this Saturday against Tennessee. I think it's absolutely important for A&M to dominate this game if they want to get real consideration. A close win over Tennessee I don't think does anything for them. I mentioned last week I've watched them play their last like three games, and I don't know, I just walk away very unimpressed as far as comparing them to the top four. I don't think they look like they're in the same league as Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, or Ohio State for that matter. So... I think there's a clear separation. I, I said this last week. I, it's an A&M team that I like. I just think the quarterback situation there is is uh, lacking. And, I, you know, again, Alabama just completely dominated the Aggies. So I don't see A&M on that same level. A win over Tennessee doesn't do a lot for me. A blowout win over Tennessee would at least give the committee something to feel good about as far as the way Alabama or the way A&M is finishing the season. So number six was Florida. Again, they lost the head-to-head to out to A&M, and then they lose to LSU. They're still in the conference championship game. If Florida beats Alabama, this is what's interesting. Do we give Florida one of these four spots? Because when you start looking at who you would compare them to, they would be an SEC champion. They would have lost to A&M, but they beat Alabama. Like, how does that play out? What does the committee do with those three SEC teams if Florida beats Alabama in this thing? I think Alabama's still in regardless, but... Does, does one of these other two SEC teams get the opportunity? I think that would be the real chaotic situation for the committee if Florida were to upset Alabama a week after losing to LSU. But, I, I you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Alabama takes care of business. The Florida defense is not very good. Alabama has the best offense in college football, and I think the, the tide roll big in this game. Iowa State at number seven. They jumped Cincinnati. I felt like the committee basically made the statement last Tuesday night with Iowa State ahead of Cincinnati that 
Cincinnati or the American Athletic Conference champion has zero chance to get into this unless they just have no other options. Uh, and, and look, I think you're going to get a Big 12 champion that is either Iowa State, who's currently at number seven, or Oklahoma at number 11. So I think either way this goes, one of those two teams is going to remain ahead of Cincinnati in the final ranking. So Iowa State jumping up to number seven last week, I think was big for the Big 12's chances. And I think the committee basically told Cincinnati, you, you are not going to be one of our final four teams. Uh, even though they, they kind of made it sound like they were more impressed with Iowa State than anything Cincinnati did wrong, we just understand this isn't a, a group of five playoff picture even though you know I know that upsets a lot of people that's just the reality this the power this is a power five playoff this isn't really a group of five playoff so um, I think if you just understand that from the beginning it makes all of this a lot easier to understand on a weekly basis than trying to approach this from the crazy mirage that group of five teams have a legitimate chance to make this thing I, I just don't think that's true so Georgia at number nine uh, beats Missouri in impressive fashion, 49-14. I was one of the people that before the season thought Georgia was a top five team. They're loaded basically everywhere, but the quarterback, uh, the quarterback was very underwhelming for the majority of the season. They finally make the switch to JT Daniels, the USC transfer, who's been considerably better. Georgia today is a much better team than they were a month or two ago, but and, and look, Oklahoma will benefit from this as well. Who you are late matters more than who you were early. Um, the problem is Georgia is the fourth of these SEC teams that are in the top 10, and there's zero chance that Georgia is going to jump Florida, jump A&M, jump Alabama. And I don't think, I mean, again, there would be two SEC teams in before the committee would ever go with a Georgia team, and they don't have anything left uh, as far as as proving that they are worthy. So... Georgia's kind of irrelevant in this conversation, even though they sit at number nine. Miami was at number 10. They were also irrelevant, again, considering the Notre Dame-Clemson situation. Um, there's just there's no way that we're ever going to see, I think, three teams from the same conference in, in the college football playoff. So, I mean, regardless, Miami was just in a bad situation, even if they had beat North Carolina, but they got completely dominated, 62-26, uh, not even close. That UNC offense is really impressive. Uh, we knew that coming into the season. And they just torched the Miami Hurricanes. So Miami's out of the picture. And that gets us to number 11, Oklahoma, who doesn't play this weekend, obviously. They get ready for Iowa State in the Big 12 Championship on Saturday. The committee made the statement last Tuesday night. They think a lot of this Iowa State team, enough, in fact, to move them all the way up to number 7, ahead of Cincinnati. A win by Oklahoma here makes this thing really interesting because then you're talking about a two-loss power five champion that would be on a winning streak. I think what, what's the number seven in a row at this point, if they beat Iowa state, they would have won seven straight games, finished strong. They would be a conference champion. Their best two players on each side of the football weren't available in those two losses, which I think is something that will be considered if they're having this conversation, just, just for the sake of argument, let's say they're having the conversation between Oklahoma and A&M for one of these open spots. And again, we're just, we're assuming that, Either Notre Dame beats Clemson a second time or maybe Ohio State loses its conference title. I, if I had to bet, I think the four that are in there now are going to be the four that we see. I think Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame. I think Alabama's going to take care of, of Florida, and I think Ohio State's going to beat Northwestern. So I think our, our top four is going to remain, in some order, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. But for the sake of what we're talking about today, if one of those teams, 
again, Clemson or, or Ohio State loses this Saturday, and Oklahoma beats number seven Iowa State, they're going to gain a ton of momentum, and there's going to be an argument as to whether you put A&M or Oklahoma in one of those spots. I don't think it's just an automatic. You move the higher-ranked team into that spot. Like I said, the Florida loss looks less great for A&M after Florida loses to LSU. A&M struggled with LSU just a couple weeks ago. We watched Alabama absolutely torch that team, and Alabama absolutely torched Texas A&M. Uh, not even not even in the same ballpark, in my opinion. So you have a one-loss A&M team whose biggest, I think, pro is that they lost to Alabama, the best team in the country. Oklahoma would enter this thing with a big win streak, with a big win over a top-10 team that the committee loves. They would also, like I said, their best two players didn't play in the two losses, and their quarterback was making his first two FBS starts of his entire career against Kansas State and Iowa State. Now, again, I'm just telling you, this is these are the things that they will be discussing if they're comparing Oklahoma and A&M. And I think Oklahoma, honestly, comes out on the better side of this when it's all said and done. So that there, there's your path right there. I think Oklahoma, with a win over Iowa State, obviously Miami is dropping out. Oklahoma's going to jump Georgia. They would both be two lost teams, but Oklahoma would be a conference champ. Oklahoma's jumping Cincinnati. Again, they have Iowa State currently over Cincinnati. Oklahoma beats that team and is a Power 5 champ. They're going to be ahead. They're going to jump Florida, I think, if well, especially if Alabama takes care of Florida and gives them a third loss. And then we start having that conversation. What does two-loss conference champion Oklahoma look like compared to two-loss non-conference champion Clemson one-loss non-conference uh, non-conference champion Texas A&M, or one-loss non-conference champion Ohio State. And again, Northwestern is not going to get the benefit of being a Big Ten champion should they beat the Buckeyes to jump all the way up because they're not Ohio State. They're not going to get the benefit of the logo on the helmet carrying the amount of weight that it does for Ohio State. So interesting path, I think, here for Oklahoma or Iowa State for that matter. I think less likely that Iowa State would would get the benefit of the doubt if they were to win the Big 12 championship. And again, this goes back to tradition and who you are, and not that that should matter. It shouldn't, and we argue this all the time, that it shouldn't matter. But I think people get so caught up in believing that it shouldn't matter that they lose sight of the fact that it does matter, and it certainly matters to the committee, and they will take that into account when they rank these teams. So... It's, it's a really interesting Saturday. Like I said, if I had to bet, I think Alabama beats Florida and, and stakes their claim. I think Clemson is able to bounce back against Notre Dame, which I think is going to be a great football game, but I think they even the series at 1-1, and both teams are in. And then I, Ohio State, I think, beats Northwestern, and, and they take the fourth spot in the college football playoff. But if this thing opens up, if Notre Dame beats Clemson for a second time, I don't know that it's a guarantee that Clemson is just out, but I think you have a hard time giving them the benefit of the doubt considering they kind of understand, in a sense, that the game they're playing on Saturday against Notre Dame is a playoff game. You have to win to get in. So, you know, again, I think the way you're ending the season always more important than the way you begin it. And if you were to lose at the end of the season and you're being compared against a team that's finished with a win streak, I think you get the short end of that stick. So... You know, for the people that may be saying right now, well, if Alabama loses and they still get in, they wouldn't be finishing the season strong. I completely agree with that. But I don't think at that point we're even, we're, 
I don't think the committee is is comparing what Alabama is to anybody else at that point. Like if Clemson loses, I think Clemson is in a discussion against another team for a playoff spot. And that's where I think that part of it comes into play. If Alabama loses, I, I don't think that that the committee is even evaluating a one loss Alabama team against anybody else. I, 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 you know, it's not uh, it's not a situation where I think they're like, okay, Alabama or Oklahoma gets this final spot. Which one do we like better? I think they would still clearly view Alabama ahead of Oklahoma or Alabama ahead of Texas A&M. So I, I don't think that part of it comes into play. But if Clemson loses a second time, they're not a Power Five champ, and they would have the same losses as, for instance, Oklahoma, who is a Power Five champ. And then that's where I think all of these other elements that we start talking about come into play in terms of just comparing the two teams, not in the big picture of how they fit with everybody else. It just becomes a beauty contest between two teams that you're trying to to, to, to figure out which one is better or, you know, I know it's not necessarily a more deserving uh, type of scenario because if that was the case, maybe Ohio State wouldn't even be in this conversation. But when it becomes about picking one or the other and trying to break down I think two teams for one spot, that's where I think it does somewhat become about most deserving, or at least that that comes into play a little bit for the committee. So again, uh, really interesting Saturday coming up, and I do think there is a path for Oklahoma or the Big 12 champion to get a spot. But if I had to bet, I think it's a chalk weekend. Uh, I do think Clemson gets the better of Notre Dame in this one. Um, I, I do think it's a good game, and I think we're going to have the same four Next, next Sunday night when the committee gives us their college football playoff ranking um, and, and the final four teams that are going to be in the semifinals as, as to what we saw last Tuesday. Uh, I do want to talk about the Big 12 championship real quick. This is uh, a game that we're going to preview a little later in the week with Oklahoma and Iowa State. A rematch, obviously, of a game that happened back in week three. A close game. Uh, Cyclones beat Oklahoma. Um you know, this again, I, I made the statement a second ago when I was talking about the case you're making for Oklahoma if all of a sudden things open up for them. Spencer Rattler making his second FBS start of his career in that game, obviously not nearly as polished as he is today. That's something to take into account. Um, the other the other part of this, Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins not available in that game. They have obviously made a ton of, of difference for how good Oklahoma is since they got back. Um, Brees Hall had a hell of a game in this thing the first time around, and Iowa State's offensive line is, I, I think, a finalist for the Joe Moore Award, which is something Oklahoma won just a few years ago. That's been a really good group. I would say this. Oklahoma's defensive line is clearly a much better unit than they were in week three of the season. They didn't have Ronnie Perkins, but I think outside of the Ronnie Perkins thing, we've, we've watched all of these guys across the board develop as this season has gone on. They have more depth than they had at that point in the season. And I just think they're playing with more confidence. So I think that's a much better matchup this time around. And, you know, I, I, I just don't think Brees Hall is going to have nearly the same amount of, of success that he had in the first matchup. But this is going to be a great game, I think. I, I, I don't know necessarily which way I'm leaning at this point uh, of the week, but it's going to be a great game. The interesting part about what we're looking at with this Big 12 championship matchup and obviously taking into account that COVID could play a role here. If one of these teams were to be disqualified from the Big 12 championship, and I say disqualified, I guess, you know, it, that's, that really means they have COVID issues and aren't able to play. 
the Big 12 over the weekend made the announcement that Texas is the third-place team and Texas would be the fill-in, and the game would still happen if one team is not able to play. And this is just kind of a, a weird thing to me. Not that I really enjoy arguing for third-place teams or anything like that. I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't think it necessarily um, matters unless it actually matters, but you obviously have to have a plan in place. And the plan is that Texas would be the third-place team. And you look at the Big 12 standings, Oklahoma State is 6-3, and three, Texas is 5-3. and three. Oklahoma State has a better winning percentage than the Texas Longhorns. I know Texas beat Oklahoma State head-to-head, and, and again, that should matter if all things are equal. But all things aren't equal, and a lot like the Big Ten situation where Ohio State gets left out, it kind of feels weird that Texas isn't in a tiebreaker with Oklahoma State because Texas doesn't have the same winning percentage as Oklahoma State. They're not tied, but somehow we're going with the amount of losses are the way we go by this, and since they both have three losses, now this thing becomes a tiebreaker, and and Texas wins because of the head-to-head because they both have three losses. That just seems like a very odd way to do this deal. And, I you know, again, it, it just kind of feels like a... Ohio State going to get their opportunity in the Big Ten versus like just the right way to go about it, which would be winning percentage. Uh, but here we are, and and again, I don't. It probably doesn't even come into play, but I do think it's weird that the Big Twelve has decided to go at this based on the amount of losses you have, with with both teams having three, Oklahoma State and Texas, and then Texas getting the head to head in that department versus just going straight winning percentage, which is what I think happens in in almost every other sport as far as determining that. So I don't know, kind of an odd deal. Um, by the way, I give Oklahoma state a ton of credit for the way they bounced back on Saturday against Baylor. I know Baylor was without a lot of coaches. I know Baylor was without a lot of players. Um, Oklahoma state has, has been the more talented team all year. I think Oklahoma state is the better team, but they had lost three of their last five games. They were clearly in the driver's seat to win the conference and, and pretty much over the span of a little more than a month, watched it all disappear and they've had multiple players decide to opt out and, you know, head to the NFL and embrace what their future holds. I just didn't know what type of mentality we would see from Oklahoma state and whether this would be somewhat of a letdown game simply because all of the air has been sucked out of that program and what their goals were at the beginning of the season. So uh, for as much as, as we can criticize Mike Gundy at times for not having his team ready to play and, and them feeling flat to a degree at times, I think you you also have to give him credit for having them ready to go on Saturday and taking care of business against a Baylor team that, you know, really, again, it, it's not like this was a game that had a championship on the line or anything like that. I think it would have been very easy for Oklahoma State to just overlook this opponent and not take this game seriously and overall give a flat performance a lot like they did against TCU. So um, nice to nice to see Oklahoma State bounce back and get the win over Baylor and uh, finish at least on a strong note in conference play, despite the Big 12 deciding that three losses is the way they're going to go with their tiebreaker. All right, NFL weekend, Cowboys win big over Cincinnati. Uh, This was like the tank bowl. When you look at the Jets and the Jaguars, obviously being the two worst teams in the NFL, um, these two were basically playing for that next spot. And uh, Cincinnati clearly much worse than the Dallas Cowboys. The Andy Dalton Bowl, I guess you can also call this. Uh, but Dallas gets it done. Uh, they are they are ahead of Cincinnati. And because they won, they are also 
not quite eliminated from postseason play yet, which is still just baffling to me that you can be as bad as they've been all year long and still their playoff hopes are alive at this point in the season. That's just crazy. Uh, By the way, I do want to talk about Washington for a second because Washington gets it done against San Francisco. They are one win away from uh, eliminating the Cowboys from that playoff discussion, but they've done it the way that you have to do it. And we talk about this all the time, line of scrimmage and how important it is in football and, and how overlooked I think it is by a lot of people because we look at running backs and receivers and quarterbacks and the fantasy football guys and evaluate teams that way. But Washington is very unimpressive as far as that department goes. Uh, but what they did is they started building this team on the defensive line. And when you look at the amount of picks that they have dedicated toward making that defensive line an elite group with Jonathan Allen and Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Dayron Payne, uh, that group is fantastic, and that is the best part of that team, and that is the part that's leading them to not only winning football games, but but even coming into the year, expecting that maybe they could play close football games. I, I, I would be lying if I thought they were going to be any good this year, but I thought that defensive line was going to be a problem and potentially was just going to allow them to maybe be competitive in some games that otherwise they shouldn't. So they did it the right way, a lot like the Dallas Cowboys you know, five, six years ago when they built their team on the offensive line. Um, and, and that was really, you know, the what, what kept Dallas uh, in contention, I think, for years. And now all of a sudden, you know, that, that group is basically gone. But Washington did the same thing only with the defense, and it's paying dividends as far as how good they are without having, you know, a, a solid quarterback option, without having all pro caliber position players. But here we are. NFC East leading Washington football team. Uh, Jalen Hurts with a big win yesterday in his NFL debut as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. He replaced Carson Wentz a week ago, gets the start this week. Um, give him credit for finding a way to win the game, beating the the New Orleans Saints, who, you know, again, I know they have their struggles right now, especially offensively without Drew Brees in the lineup, and Taysom Hill has, has kind of been up and down, but... Jalen Hurts found a way to win the game, especially I, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for how good he was at the end leading Philadelphia to, to a scoring drive to ultimately win that game. I, I do still have my reservations about how, what the ceiling is for Jalen Hurts in this league. I do think that it's still significantly lower than it was for Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, who I absolutely loved coming out of Oklahoma and thought the sky was the ceiling for both of those guys as starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think the ceiling is considerably lower for Jalen Hurts, and part of it is for what we saw yesterday. He was great on the ground. Over 100 yards rushing. What do you have, 18 carries maybe? Um, I'll have to bring up the box score. But he was great on the ground, and that was the dimension that really helped get them over the top. But he's still a guy that struggles in the passing game, and ultimately, you're going to have to be able to throw the football in this league if you're going to be that guy. And... Like I said, give him credit for how he did it yesterday. I don't think running the football that many times every week is is a legit option. I mean, it, it's just I don't think that's going to end well. Um, but they got it done. They beat the Saints. And, you know, Jalen Hurts is, is uh, a guy that's always going to be a professional and prepare the right way. And, you know, in terms of just being a leader, I think all of that stuff is is great. But... 17 of 30 throwing the ball. Obviously, we watched him in Norman last year 
clear deficiencies in terms of just his passing abilities. Uh, not and, and I'm not talking about from an arm standpoint. I mean, he can he can throw a fastball. Um, he just doesn't have a lot in the arsenal as far as the types of throws that he makes and just the overall, I think, concepts of the passing game. A um, little lackluster there. But again, 18 carries for 106 yards rushing. That was that was what made the difference yesterday. And I just don't think that's... that's uh, something you can reasonably expect to happen every week and, and have him be your long-term option at the same time. So uh, big big week for Jalen Hurts, though. Also, the Cardinals are still in the playoff hunt, surprisingly enough. I know it hasn't looked great. Um, you know, you take away that Hail Mary play a few weeks ago, and and this thing looks a lot worse uh, than, than the, the perception, at least today. But uh, they're still in it. Kyler Murray's still balling out every week. I think... Uh, one of the most entertaining players in the NFL, if not the most entertaining player in the NFL for me after Patrick Mahomes and uh, the Cardinals crazy enough are still in this thing. The NFC is just weird overall. I started the season, I think with the saints as my favorite to win the NFC. And then a few weeks ago I switched it to green Bay. Um, I would still probably, I guess lean green Bay as, as the best team in the NFC, but I don't know what it is. There's something about green Bay that I can't put my finger on, but I, I'm just not sold on the Packers, and, you know, we'll see how things continue to go. Aaron Rodgers is playing MVP-level football, though, and I think probably after this week might have a slight lead on Patrick Mahomes as far as that MVP race goes. But uh, tonight we have Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens. Another interesting matchup, and this was the season opener for both of these teams, and the Ravens completely dominated Cleveland, and I, I think, honestly, that set the bar for Cleveland this season and anybody that had expectations that the Browns were going to be any good those were completely wiped away in week one when the Ravens completely dominated them and then all of a sudden they won a few games after that and it was all against bad competition which I'll I'll grant you that but they were winning games and, and everybody said well they haven't played anybody good when they did they played the Ravens and that was kind of the reference point all year long the Ravens in week one completely dominated them well now we find ourselves in a completely different situation the Browns are two games ahead of the Ravens the Browns actually have a legit win against Tennessee a week ago and I think this is the validation game for Cleveland they beat the Ravens tonight um I I mean what do you start having the conversation about them winning the division, beating Pittsburgh to close out the season? Uh, I, I think this is going to be a good football game, and obviously the Ravens are desperate as well to get this game in terms of their playoff hopes. So I'm excited for this one. There's a lot on the line for both teams, and I, you know, again, I think when you consider it's Monday Night Football, the bright lights, what this team means, what this game means for both of these teams, this is going to be a, a big win on either side, and... I'm excited to see how Baker Mayfield responds uh, on that stage. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit the website abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can benefit your daily life. You can order online abotanicalcompany.com. Easy and safe pickup. So give them a chance. Also, it is the holiday season, and if you're looking for a way to help those in need, the Artisan Holiday Drive going on right now through the holidays, they are accepting coats, clothes, toys, blankets, non-perishable foods, uh, and anything that is Christmas-related, obviously. 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170 in Midwest City. That is the address to, to Artisan Botanicals. Again, um, collecting all of those things 
for those in need this holiday season. So if you can help out, that would be absolutely outstanding, and uh, we would certainly appreciate it. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Again, that address, 2601 South Douglas Boulevard, Suite 170, Midwest City, Oklahoma. All right, as it stands right now, Oklahoma, Iowa State, in the Big 12 Championship on Saturday, that's an 11 a.m. kick, which means Mike Steely and I have pregame coverage beginning at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. I will tweet the link at Colby underscore Daniels so you can watch there and hang out with us as we get ready for the Big 12 Championship. Uh, Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.